moving on to news from Germany, where the Chancellor is saying that there is unequivocal proof that Russian opposition politician Alexei Navalny was poisoned with a Novichok nerve agent. Uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel said he was a victim of attempted murder and the world would look to Russia for answers. Mr Navalny was flown to Berlin after falling ill on a flight in Siberia last month and he remains in a coma. His team says he was poisoned on President Vladimir Putin's orders. The Kremlin has dismissed the allegation. Brian Whitmore is the director of the Russia program at the Center for European Policy Analysis. Before joining the CEPA, he was senior Russian analyst at Radio Free Europe and I asked him if he found the findings of the German authorities credible. I absolutely find, think the German findings are credible. I would, I would have no reason to doubt the German authorities' findings. If I'm not mistaken, this was a military lab that looked into this. And beyond that, beyond the fact that I, I, I do intuitively trust the German authorities on things like this, uh, this fits a pattern. This is hardly the first time that an enemy of Vladimir Putin has been, uh, there's been an assassination attempt against a, an opponent of Vladimir Putin in this way. The attempted assassination of Sergei Skripal with the exact same nerve agent, Novichok, in, in, in Salisbury back in 2018. But this pattern goes way back of, of using poison to attempt to assassinate Putin's foes. Uh, Yuri Shekochekin, a journalist, back in 2003, um, who was looking into corruption in, in, in Putin's inner circle, was poisoned. Viktor Yushchenko, who eventually won the presidency of Ukraine in 2004, was suspected to have been poisoned. Before she was assassinated in 2006, the journalist Anna Politkovska was poisoned in 2004. Um, Alexander Litvinenko was poisoned in London with polonium in 2006. The opposition leader, Vladimir Karamurza, who is also happens to be a close friend of mine, was poisoned in 2015 and 2017. Um, so this is not an isolated incident. So I I'm not the least bit surprised that the that the German authorities um, have come to this conclusion. I strongly suspected it before they had. And it, again, it fits it, it, a pattern. The German Chancellor, though, is still a little equivocal about who was responsible, because she's not certainly not accusing Vladimir Putin directly, is she? She's talking about they, they wanted to silence Navalny. They. Who are the yeah. they? Who are the they? They is, the, they is obviously the Kremlin, and Ch Chancellor Merkel is obviously being a responsible stateswoman and being very careful about how she forms her, her words in public. But I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind what happened here. Um, I do not expect Chancellor Merkel to come out and say, you know, Vladimir Putin is responsible for this. That would, that would be out of character. Um, but I think uh, let's not fool ourselves. Everybody knows what happened here um, and um, whether or not the order explicitly to do this, or if he strongly hinted or suggested, you know, would someone please rid me of this troublesome priest, if you will, um, oh, oh. Or, 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 or if it's just a general atmosphere where it is open season on Putin's opponents, I honestly don't think it matters. Um, I think the Kremlin is responsible for, for what happened here. What surprises me is that they did go after Navalny because they have been reluctant to go this far with him up until now. Navalny has a huge following. They've been very shy about trying to put him in prison in the past, um, despite the multiple criminal cases they have against him. They did lock him up for a couple of days for, for protesting. 
But when they tried to put him in prison on trumped up corruption charges, the result were were, were massive demonstrations in the streets of Moscow. So the, I'm a little bit surprised that they've, they've gone this far. And it's, to me, it speaks to how nervous the Russian authorities are right now. Putin's approval ratings are at an all-time low. They went as low as 59% this summer, which for Putin is very, very low. They botched the COVID response, so they certainly weren't alone in that. But in botching that response, they kind of uh, pierced Putin's aura of omnipotence and of confidence. Um, There were massive demonstrations in Khabarovsk this summer in the Russian Far East. The uprising in Belarus has to be making them nervous because of the potential contagion effects that that could create. There's local elections coming up in, in, in a couple of weeks' time on September 13th. And so I think this speaks to just how nervous this regime is at this moment. Henry II, who you were quoting a moment or two ago, um, there was only one troublesome priest. If Putin is worried by Navalny, was he worried by all the other people that you mentioned? Livvinenko, Skripal, was he worried about all these people? And by now, he would know that, hang on a second, every time I say someone rid me of this troublesome priest, they are poisoned. So he will bear some responsibility. There's no doubt about it. He will know what's going on. Even though he feigns innocence, he would know what's going on. What, what? Well, you're, you're, you're asking me to get inside of Vladimir Putin's head, and that is a very dark and scary place where it's very difficult to see anything. Um, but I, I will say there are, there are different patterns that are emerging here. In the case of Alexander Litvinenko and Sergei Skripal, these were former security service agents. And in Putin's mind, and he's, he's been very explicit about this, those that betray the motherland are, are fair game. In terms of Litvinenko and Skripal, you have one thing certainly going on there. Um, with, with these others, and let's face it, Navalny is not the first opposition figure to reach an untimely uh, end. We, we recall the assassination of Boris Nemtsov. Now, that wasn't by poisoning, but he's just as dead as if he had been poisoned, who was, who was shot within, within a stone's throw of the Kremlin. And there was a debate at the time as well whether Putin actually gave the order or if he created a general atmosphere in which such a thing was acceptable and even desirable. Anna Politkovskaya was assassinated in 2006 on Putin's birthday. Now, you can draw what conclusions you will from from that. Um, But I, I, I was the one thing about this that surprised me is that they felt nervous enough or bold enough or some combination of the two, to go after Navalny. That surprised me because Navalny is not your run-of-the-mill opposition leader. He is extraordinarily popular, has a large following, um, and his followers are willing to get on the streets for him. So I'm, I, I was a little bit surprised that, and as I said earlier, it really, to me, it speaks to how nervous this regime is. I mean, Navalny has been a thorn in the Kremlin's side for a long, long time. He started out as an anti-corruption blogger in, in, in 2008. That's how he made his name. He makes these anti-corruption videos that are exposing the ill-gotten gains of the, of, of the Kremlin inner circle, and they're, they're viewed by millions of people online. In July 2013, when he was convicted on trumped-up, clearly trumped-up uh, corruption charges, embezzlement charges, it led to mass protests on the streets of Moscow, and he was, a, he was released from prison the next day. He's proven himself to be a very effective campaigner, even in a fixed political system, as you have in Vladimir Putin's Russia. Navalny is, is very good at advising his, his uh, followers how to game the system to, to embarrass the Kremlin each time. For example, in the 2011 
uh, election to the Russian parliament, to the state Duma, Navalny advised everybody to vote for anybody except for the ruling United Russia Party to embarrass them. Vote for the communists, vote for the crazies, vote for the national, vote for anybody to reduce their number. And it works. He's pulling out the same playbook going into the into the September 13th local and regional elections that are coming up. And next year, there's parliamentary elections. So this is a this is clearly he is like the Kremlin's Freddy Krueger. He just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. And apparently somebody made a decision to, to solve this problem once for all, which I think is a risky move. Um, and it apparently didn't work um, because thanks to German medicine, I, I think and I certainly hope that Mr. Navalny is going to be all right. Who's next on the Russian poison hit list? Who's next? Who should be worried now? Uh, anybody who is in open opposition to this regime is, is fair game. But I'd be loath to make any predictions along those lines. Um, I've always said that I certainly hope Mr. Navalny has very, very good security, and I'm sure he does. But um, anybody who is, is, opposes this regime, anybody who was in the security services and defects, as Mr. Litvinenko and Mr. Skripal, as those two cases illustrate, um, you know, they successfully assassinated Litvinenko with, with polonium in 2006. They unsuccessfully attempted to assassinate Mr. Skripal and his, his daughter in 2018. And there's, a, there's another opposition leader who was also poisoned under, uh, this year, uh, in, in 2018, I'm sorry, correct that, uh, Piotr Verzilov. Who is, who is a kind of performance, he's connected to the performance art group Pussy Riot, um, which made headlines uh, earlier in this decade for, for, for some of their anti-Kremlin um, activities. So I, I, anybody who is in open opposition to this, this regime and is high profile is, is, is fair game, Brian, even if they're not inside of Russia. Yeah, Brian Whitmore there is the director of the Russia program at the Center for European Policy.